So the last time I remember having a birthday party, for me at least, I was a kid, probably about seven or eight years old. My parents would probably be able to narrow down exactly when this happened. But, but I haven't had a birthday party for me in a number of years. And I discourage the people in my life from throwing said parties because I, I'm not really interested in them. Um, at the end of the day, I'm an introvert. <laughs> and I love having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. But the group thing, especially when I'm the center of attention, not my world, not my world. The last time I remember having this birthday party, I remember uh, the kids coming over to my house and I remember standing at the front door greeting them. And I also remember one kid coming through the door and not having a present, not having a gift for me. And me saying, as seven or eight year olds are inclined to do sometimes, me saying, uh, where's my present, man? Where's my gift? Why didn't you bring me anything? And my my mom promptly snatched me up and helped me understand that it's not about the gift, right? It's not the present that matters. It's the presence. It's the, the presence of your friends and family celebrating something alongside you. Presence is what really makes a relationship valuable. In fact, without presence, without being around one another, can you really call something you have much of a relationship. The truth is it begins to fall apart when you're not together. The more presence we have with one another, whether it be at a celebration or a Sunday gathering at church or just with your friends and family around a dinner table, whatever that is, the more presence we have with somebody, the more we understand them, the stronger our relationship with them gets, and the more our trust builds. The truth is, it's the reason why the church gathers on Sundays. If you're, you're part of our in-person gathering, you're here to be around other people, to share an experience with one another, to be encouraged by each other, to know that you're not alone in your walk with Jesus. Maybe it's maybe this, this shared experience of a song or the message or the movement of the Holy Spirit. If you're part of our online community, I'm readily aware that a lot of what we do, what we put on in the way of video is has value, but the real value is the discussions you have with one another in our chat rooms, the connections you're making, the presence you're able to have with one another, and the shared experience you're able to have with each other. That That's what really makes the difference. It's been super exciting to watch your bonds kind of grow over the last year, right, at this point super wonderful and exciting. That's what presence does when we are with each other. The truth is, as followers of Christ, our presence gathering with each other and, and our presence with God, right? When spending time with him in prayer and petition and giving thanks and, and reading his word, our presence with him helps build our relationship with him, helps us understand him better as he begins to speak into our lives. The truth is God's presence, if you're a follower of Christ, is among the greatest presents or gifts that he can give us. Jesus promises it in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. He promises, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So he, he says, look, if you really love me, you will do things in my name. And he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. 
The word is unable to receive the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you, he will be in you. Jesus is there talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit, him being there with us as followers of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, his presence is way better than any present or any gift that God gave us outside of salvation itself, right? He gave us this presence of the Holy Spirit, this relationship that we're able to build with him. It's the presence of Holy Spirit that guides us to him. It's the presence of Holy Spirit that moves us to become his followers. It's his presence that, that urges us to get baptized. It's his presence that carries, carries us through our most difficult times. It's his presence that convicts us when we hear a sermon or read a passage and that leaves us on our knees and leaves us asking questions and being challenged. It's his presence that moves you to tears at the mere thought of what he's done for you. And it's his presence that brings unrivaled joy in our hearts. It is God's presence that transforms us. It's not merely his good gifts, as good as those gifts are presence, his presence in us, and, and our presence as his people in the world is what really makes the difference. It, it, it determines how much we are or are not able to impact those around us in the name of Jesus Christ, to keep his commands, to be his people. Jesus gives the same message to his followers. In the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, we see it we see it very, very clearly in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus talks about salt and light, and that's going to be our, our key passage for today. Is he talks about presence, what it means to be present in the world, and why it matters, why it is so important. Let's read with me, if you would. It's, again, Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. I'm going to read uh, the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I don't know how you could read that passage without saying or recognizing that God is asking us to be present in the world, to be present touching others in his name, right? He says, so do let your light shine before others in verse 16, so that, right? He gives a purpose to it, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's, it's, we need to be present in order to shine a light, do we not? Right? and in order to bring glory to our Father in heaven. So what, is, what does that presence mean? What does that look like? And, and how do we impact relationships? That's really the goal of today's message, is how do we live out that command to be present in the lives of those we touch? Well, the first, I think, is to, is to clarify an understanding. I don't know about you, but I've had a ton of sermons I've heard over the years about saltiness, right? In, in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And, and sermons about being filled with the flavor of God, 
right? And, and salting your conversations, meaning seasoning them and engaging people and letting people know who Jesus is. And, and, and while that is true, I'm not really sure that that is what he's saying here. When he's talking, what he's talking about here is carrying God's presence daily into the presence of others. He has just finished, just before this, a section of the Sermon on the Mount we call the Beatitudes. It's, it's a description of our relationship with God and then our relationship with the world. It calls us to be humble and merciful. It calls us to pursue God. It calls us to be peacemakers, seeking opportunities to move forward and to, to heal relationships. It calls us to be pure in heart, desiring God's will over our own. It calls us to be committed, understanding that we will be persecuted. It's a recognition that a transformed character is part of what it means to carry the presence of God and for us to be present as his people in the world. The late Billy Graham said it this way. He said, we are the Bibles that the world is reading, you and I. We are the creeds that the world is needing and we are the sermons that the world is heeding. The truth is our lives, when we carry the presence of God, when we frankly act like the people of God, right, makes a big difference in those we touch. It, it is the light we are able to shine. That saltiness that Jesus talks about here is the character of God. When we lose the character that God has called us to have, when we lose that transformation, when we don't act like God's people, we're no longer being salty. So yes, we're supposed to fill our conversations with the things of God, but the truth is, this is far more about action than it is about words. So then he goes on, right? And he says, what else does this presence look like? What does it look like to be present in the world? Well, the, the, the next thing I would say is to be present in the world it means being visible. He calls you and I, this is both an individual and a command. He says, so you are a city on a hill. I am a city on a hill. It calls us to be visible because that's, that's the idea. A group we used to work with that spoke a different language, uh, they translated it differently into their language. It's not translated a city on a hill, it's a village on a mountain because that was their context. That's where they had come from. And that made a whole lot more sense to them than a city on a hill. But the message is still the same. It calls us to be visible. And how are we visible? Well, first we're visible by being different. I don't know about you, but I feel like we live in a place where people look for a reason to fight. We look for a reason to separate ourselves. We look for a reason to argue and point fingers and be right and at the expense of everyone else being wrong, we are consumed by perceived injustices and we, we become angry really seemingly at the drop of a hat. That's the world we live in. But God calls us to see things differently, to take on those challenges and those difficulties differently. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the, the Jewish king Jehoshaphat and his, his people are facing a mighty battle. They're facing a battle for their lives, and it looks like they are outnumbered by their enemies to the east. 
And God tells Jehoshaphat something interesting. He comes to him and he says to him through a dream, he says to him, look, you need to wait. He says it like this. He says, you do not have to, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, he says, you do not have to fight this battle. You do not have to fight this battle. Even though the threat feels imminent, even though the challenge is clearly right in front of you, he says, you do not have to fight this battle. I wonder, I wonder if we're willing to look at some battles, even if we're, our ire is built up and we're angry or frustrated or perceiving some kind of injustice, do we feel like we have to fight the battle? You know, some battles just aren't worth fighting. And he goes on, he says, position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes to be different, to be visible, is to recognize that not every fight is worth fighting. Not every hill is worth taking. There's a time and a place. And to finish out the verse, he says, he, meaning God, is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. That's God's people. God is with you, your, his people. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. There are righteous battles, to be sure. But being different means asking yourselves and ourselves whether or not a fight is righteous before we enter it, whether or not this is a time and a place when we should be engaging. Instead, we need to be asking ourselves how we can be peacemakers, how we can try to see the middle ground. We can try to fully understand where someone is coming from. To be different, to be visible and be different calls us to be eternity-minded rather than fixated on the present. If we're a city on a hill, as Jesus says in our scripture today, right? If we're a city on a hill, then we're able to see all of the peaks and valleys. We're able to see the big picture where maybe people in the valley cannot. But I wonder whether or not sometimes we, we don't stop to look at the landscape and we just run barreling down the hill into the fight. To be present, to demonstrate the presence of God's people in the world, we need to recognize our call to be different. That eternity, with eternity in mind, today's trouble will pass. And we should be able to see beyond it. What kind of message does that send to the world around us if we are an unshakable people because we know who our God is and we know that he is with us and we know that when this is all said and done, he wins. Second thing about being visible is to be bold. I would ask you very simply, do people know you and I are followers of Jesus Christ as Christians? And if so, how? How do they know? Do they know just because our character is different? Because I'll be really frank, I know some really, really wonderful, nice, sweet, helpful people would give you the shirt off their back that do not know the Lord. Our call just isn't just to be the people of people of character. Our call is also to actually tell people about Jesus. We live in a world right now that is what's called post-Christendom. Christendom is this 700-year period in Western culture where Christianity had a massive influence on the way things go, on the laws that were passed, on the perspectives that people take, on the attitudes that people have. And the truth is we're past that. 
we're past the era of assuming that people have a relationship, an active, powerful relationship with Jesus Christ, that they are Christians. We Sometimes we have to actually tell people we're Christians for them to know. And that's not a sense of, it's not about bragging. It is about being bold in who we are. Championing Jesus, because the scripture tells us that if we champion Jesus before men, he will champion us before God. It sometimes requires us to actually physically tell somebody, I'm a follower of Christ. And, and so I see the world a little differently. Or I'm called to set aside my anger. I'm called to set aside my frustrations and seek peace. I'm called to be different. Now that doesn't mean you have to be perfect because the other part of being visible is to be genuine. Be genuine. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Matthew chapter 5, the first of the Beatitudes in chapter 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a statement about recognizing our imperfections and our needs and knowing that we need God. We are a work in progress. In a society that works so hard to hide our challenges and our difficulties, someone genuine stands out, particularly a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, being honest about who you are and what you're working on. People appreciate that. You can see through people when they're being not genuine, can't you? They can see through us too. <laughs> We're not the only ones. The second, the third thing about presence, right? Besides demonstrating the character of God, a transformed life, and about being visible, the third thing is to be relevant. He says, don't put the light on a lampstand. Don't hide it under a bush. If it's under a bush, it is of no value. It isn't relevant. It isn't relevant to anybody's life. So how, does, how do we be present how is our presence relevant? How do we make ourselves relevant in the world around us and our relationships around us? Well, first is to be engaged, be engaged in the lives of others rather than staying in our own little world. A number of our folks got to go out this past week with a group called Revive Ohio to spread the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. And one of the things that Revive does when you go to meet people when you first connect with them, isn't to throw Bibles at them or start spouting scripture or tell them they're in trouble or they're lost. or It's simply this. It's to say, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And what that does is it opens up a conversation because the vast majority of people understand they're in need. We just often go through our day pretending like that's not the case, like there aren't others in need or I don't have time for their needs. Instead, shouldn't we be leading with seeking opportunities at home and at work to get to know people, to recognize and engage them rather than just going about our own business? That means being relational. That means Sharing a meal with someone that you don't know very well. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's sitting at the same table as somebody at school in the cafeteria on Sunday, on, on Sunday, <laughs> the other days of the week, Monday through Friday. When 
when you don't know them or they're new or maybe you just you've known them for years but you have no connection to them maybe it's inviting somebody that you barely know or know just a little bit into your home and how often does that happen anymore even pre-covid that wasn't a thing that happened as much as it should that we hung out with one another that we loved one another and that we loved others and introduced them to our Lord through relationships with us. It means being relational means and engaging people means choosing to make a friend outside your circle. It's really easy as a follower of Christ, especially if you get into a church setting like this. This is Gretna, I think, is filled with wonderful, friendly, incredible people that will meet your needs and go out of their way to help you. And it's just a wonderful family, but it's really easy to circle the wagons and stay inside that family and say, it's safe here. The truth is, if we're going to be present in the world, if we're going to be relevant in the world, if our faith is going to matter and our Savior is going to be spoken of, we have to get outside that wagon, that circle of wagons. We have to be willing to go out with God and fight the battle with him. It means getting to know people. It means being compassionate. Hurting is hurting, whether it's, it's because of something they've done to ourselves, themselves, or ourselves. It's regardless of the cause of somebody's hurting, they're hurting. And, and our call to be relevant means to be compassionate and to take time to help. Christianity has a history of doing that. The truth is all children's homes and almost all hospitals came at the advent of Christians. We've always had a capacity to help and a desire to help, but somewhere along the lines, I, th I think we've lost that. Our call is to be willing to be engaged, to be relevant in our culture. That's what it means to be present. And that means not sitting inside our church buildings. That means God isn't limited to Sunday. It means we must be relevant in the lives of others if our witness is to have an impact. The final thing about being present in somebody's life is to be willing to go near them. It says this light stands on a lampstand and it shines light on everyone in the house. That's everyone nearby. Are we afraid to go near people? Are we afraid to get to know them? All COVID aside, right? Yes, that has certainly made it a little harder and frankly, Satan's doing a pretty good job of working that, using that to keep us separated, to be unwilling to talk to one another and to have others build up walls so that they're not willing to talk or get near others physically or emotionally or spiritually. But the truth is, if we're going to have a presence in our community, if we're going to have a presence both individually and corporately in the lives of the world around us, if we're going to spread God's presence to the world, we have to be willing to go near those who are in the most need. That means taking multiple opportunities to volunteer. One of the things that we do is our daily bread here at Gretna Brethren Church. We, we volunteer to cook meals. It's led by one of our members. Her name is Barb Culp to serve meals. It's great to do that once. It's incredible to make it something you do on a regular basis, like every month, like clockwork. Because you begin to meet people, to get to know people, to be near them in their element and their life where they are settled and they are confident 
and they are open and willing to talk. And like most of our folks experienced with Revive and, and asking people to pray for them, the truth is if you're willing to get near somebody, especially near somebody that is convinced they're not worth being near, your presence can make all the difference in the world. And your presence can be the witness they need. Because it, our call is to be salt and life, light, to bring the character of God into the world, to shine it on all those we touch, to be present with a lost and dark world, and to make a difference in his name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.